Today is lesson number two on wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. And so this is a testimonial to the grace that's in my own life. And today, lesson number two, the inter- as a way of introduction, the Bible teaches that God provides grace for four specific reasons. And today we'll talk about that first reason. And most people, as I said last week, most people who talk about grace, not here at the home church and good Bible-believing churches, but most people who talk about grace, it's uh, uh, evident that they really don't understand grace. Even a lot of Bible teachers and preachers that we see and listen to on radio and TV and then many of the songs that we even listen to uh, reveal that people don't really understand grace. So not that I'm an expert on it, but uh, uh, at least we'll be sharing what, the, what I believe the Bible teaches about it. Okay, so everybody's got their lesson today. Okay, today we're talking about the first of those four specific kinds of grace, and that is saving grace. Saving grace. And if it wasn't for saving grace, the others wouldn't apply to us. So thank God for saving grace. And let's look at Romans chapter 3, verse number 20, and I'll read through verse number 24. Romans 3, 20, if you have your Bible or your device, whatever you use. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law, and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no drift difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So saving grace, first answer, is the redemption of our soul apart from the law. That's what saving grace is, is the redemption of our soul apart from from the law. Uh, last week we talked about <coughs> how the law is a blessed thing because the law shows us our need for, for, for grace. And the Bible says in one of my favorite portions of Scripture, Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. But we know <coughs> that the law didn't save us. The law showed us our need to be saved. The law showed us why we need grace. And so... Thank God for the law. The law is perfect. And so some people who talk about grace would act like the law is a bad thing, but the law is a good thing. The law, the law we could say, is a soul winner. The law is the soul winner. The soul winner can't save anybody. The soul winner just tells someone about Jesus. The law tells us our need for grace. The law tells us why we have to be saved. So uh, that's what salvation is. Saving grace is the redemption of our soul apart from the law. And so that's what we see here, certainly, in the, in the Bible. Keeping the law cannot justify anyone, Romans 3.20 says. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And last week we said, thank God the law shows us the knowledge of sin, and then we repent of our sin. When we repent of our sin, God saves us by his grace. So, uh, so I'm saved today, and my soul is redeemed apart from the law. 
We are justified freely by God's grace, Romans 3.24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's where we get that word redemption. We're redeemed. Just like some would go uh, to the slave market, as the Bible would make that uh, word picture, go to the slave market and buy the slave, redeem the slave. That's what happened to us when we got saved. We were redeemed. We were under the curse of the law because we could not keep the law, but God redeemed us. And thank God for the fact that he did that by his grace. Then the Bible reminds us if we could keep the law, then we could boast of our salvation. And no one can boast that they saved themselves. No one could boast that we did anything to, to, to justify ourselves. We don't deserve salvation. There's nothing we could do to earn it. And so if, if keeping the law could save us, we could boast. And it's amazing, those of us who've been at this, and those of us who talk to people and listen to people and witness to people, it's amazing how many people boast <coughs> of themselves. Every soul winner knows if you ask the question to someone on the street or at the house, if you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? It used to be one of my standard things. I still say it sometimes now when it applies. But if I've asked that question 10,000 times, which I have, then I've heard at least almost 10,000 times, uh, yes, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to go to heaven. Then I say, well, why do you know, how do you know you go to heaven? Because I'm a good person. <laughs> Every soul winner's heard that. There's no soul winner who hasn't heard, I'm a good person. And uh, then when you start questioning them further, then they start telling you why they're good, because they keep the law. And uh, so <coughs> that's human nature to boast, isn't it? That's just that's, that reveals the sinful nature in us, by the way. When someone says they're good, it reveals their sin. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so... Because there's none good, no, not one. We'd find out also in Romans chapter 3. So saving grace is being justified apart from any law, the Bible reminds us. Okay, so then uh, it is settled, Romans 3.28, it's settled. Therefore we conclude. Uh, Paul said the same thing in the book of Acts when he was talking about this salvation by grace. He said, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. That's the conclusion of the matter. There's no more discussing the matter. Uh, it's settled. And then in verse, the, the next one's a, type, a typo. It should have been Romans 3.31. So you have to look at your Bible to see that. Romans 3.31. Salvation by grace confirms the law. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. So we establish the law by saying we're saved apart from the law. Uh, we confirm the law uh, by saying we're not saved by the law. We confirm what the law is supposed to do, and that's our schoolmaster, Galatians 4 said, our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 17 through 18, Jesus said, don't think that I've come to destroy the law. I didn't come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill the law. Christ came to fulfill the law. So the law was perfect. The law had to be fulfilled. Uh, 
It was God's plan for Israel to fulfill the law. It's God's plan for Christians to fulfill the law. Uh, we don't void the law. We don't scratch out the law. The problem is, none of us can fulfill the law, but Jesus fulfilled the law. And again, that's another lesson, but just think about that for a moment. Jesus fulfilled the law. Every law, Jesus obeyed. That's why Jesus went through all those testings, uh, because God was proving that Jesus would keep every law. That's why Jesus was without sin. We preached in camp, Romans 8, John, excuse me, John 8, 28 and 29. Jesus said, I do always those things that please him. So every law, Jesus kept. Every law, Jesus was faced with. And he obeyed every law of God. So the law was kept. It was kept perfectly. And then we'll see in a moment, Jesus went to the cross. So Jesus kept the law in my place. And when he went to the cross and died for me, it was this, it was this, I kept the law, every law. No one gets to heaven without every law being kept. No one. There will be nobody enter the kingdom of heaven that's ever broken one law, not one law. And the Bible makes it clear, if we've broken one law, we've broken all the law. And I said this at camp, I hope nobody takes me up on this, but I said this to camp when I talked to sinners and and they, uh, they, they reject Christ. They say, I don't want to receive Christ, or I don't want to you know, believe the Bible, I don't want to go to heaven. And, uh, but they're not real bad sinners. You know, they just steal every now and then. They may just tell a lie every now and then. I like to tell those people, you know, if you're going to go to hell, you might as well sin big. <laughs> don't just steal, rob a bank. <laughs> Don't just party a little bit, party a whole lot. Because you're going to go to the same hell where the person did party a whole lot. You're going to go to the same hell where the person did rob the bank. And et cetera, et cetera. So the law confirms that. You're thank, awesome, Mike. <laughs> thank God Jesus kept the law, amen? Every law, every law. He was tempted and tested to break all those laws, and he never broke one of them. He fulfilled every one of them, and then he could die on the cross. Had he not fulfilled every one of them, he couldn't have taken my place. He couldn't have taken your place. And no wonder we call it wonderful grace of Jesus. Amen? That, Amen. That's grace that Jesus would do that. In Romans 10, 4, the Bible, that's why the Bible says in Romans 10, 4, that Jesus is the end of the law. It's, it's finished, Jesus said. When Jesus said it is finished, it's the end of the law. The very end of the law was Jesus kept it and uh, Jesus went to the cross and paid for the law that we broke, paid for the sin that we did. And so Jesus is the end of that. Thank the Lord for that. My, my, some of you heard this testimony. Sorry to be redundant if you have. But my dad was a, a Seventh-day Adventist. And my dad left when I was two and I never was around my dad. But when I went back to my hometown in Kentucky and started a church, my dad lived in Maryland. My grandmother lived in the same town that we started a church in, Ashland, Kentucky. And so I got to be around my family that I never knew before because I wasn't around them since I was two, moved to California when I was a boy. So I wasn't really around my mother's family because my mom and dad met in Kentucky because they were divorced. I wasn't really around my dad's family. So me and Linda and Melanie and Samantha, we got to know her 
family a little bit, but in the process of time, my dad and his uh, wife and uh, ten children, no, seven children, seven children, became ten counting us three. My dad and his new wife and his new seven children became Seventh-day Adventists. And <coughs> so my dad came and heard me preach one time, and we were trying to raise $5,000 to buy a new carpet for our church, and I was trying to get uh, 50 people to give $50, and my dad wouldn't give $50 even to help us buy carpet for our church. Then he came to our house, and he visited us, and then he wrote me a, he wrote me a letter, and he gave me this letter. He didn't talk to me personally. He gave me a letter, and then he left, and this letter he was telling me why I should be a Seventh-day Adventist. And, of course, my blood was boiling because he never took me to church when I was young, never prayed a prayer with me, never threw a baseball to me, was not there when I graduated from high school, wasn't there when I was graduating from Bible college, never did anything for me, would not give $50 to help us buy a carpet for New Jersey. And he writes me a letter telling me I should be a Seventh-day Adventist. After God had straightened my life out, and after God had saved me, and after I was a preacher trying to serve the Lord. I said that to say, every Seventh-day Adventist doesn't understand that Jesus is the end of the law. It's the end of it. And uh, that's why we don't have to keep laws. That's why you know, going to church on Saturday won't take you to heaven. Going to church on Sunday won't take you to heaven. Because Jesus is the in the law, the Bible says. Jesus did what the law could not do. And that is Galatians 3.18. He did what the law could not do. Is that one up there? Yeah, thank you. So Jesus did what the law could not do. That is, he <coughs> paid for our sin. He saved us. He justified us. Because no law uh, could do that, the Bible says. Okay, secondly, saving grace is... Forgiveness apart from works. Saving grace is a, a forgiveness apart from works. I won't turn here. It's on the board, on the screen, I should say. And everybody's familiar with this. And to, to those of you listening, you may say this. Pastor Mike's speaking down to me. I understand about salvation by grace. But remember, this is my testimonial. And the... So we all understand this, but I think every Christian needs to be reminded that we're saved by grace. Every one of us needs to be reminded that I'm sitting here not because I deserve it, because of the grace of God. I'm standing here simply because of the grace of God. There's nothing that I did to merit this. I did everything to uh, deserve differently than what I'm doing right now. So I'm reminding myself of grace. We need to be reminded ourselves of grace. And sure helps us have more patience with sinners, amen, to have, to have grace. We'll conclude with that thought. But salvation is the gift of God, not of works. We cannot boast, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 9, lest any man should boast. So, if, so the law, people who think they're keeping the law tend to boast. And people who do good works tend to boast. And again, that's another part of our human nature. I have it. Pastor Luke has it. Pastor Tim has it. And anybody here who would think you're, you're all that, you've got the same problem. You've got a human nature. And our human nature loves to boast about good works. 
I mean, I, I like to do good work because it makes me feel good when I do good works. <laughs> that's, that, that's that human nature trying to justify ourselves. And we ought to feel good when we do good works, amen, when we feed somebody hungry. It ought to make us feel good about it. But uh, I'll just remind us that even heathen people can feed hungry people. Uh, and even, in, even the worst of people can have compassion on hungry people and things like that. So thank God for good works. But the Bible makes it clear that, that we're not saved by good works. So we can't boast in our good works. We can't boast about our good works after we get saved. Pastor Tim preached about this in one of his uh, sermons on who is God, as I got to watch it on the internet. And he talked about that verse where Jesus said, when you've done everything you're supposed to do, then just consider yourself an unprofitable servant. That's what Jesus made clear about our works. Then the paradox is, one day when we stand before Jesus, we're going to be rewarded for our good works. That's grace, isn't it? That I'm going to be rewarded for the good works that I was proud that I did and that my human nature thought I was doing something good because of good works. But good works cannot, cannot save us. Nothing, nothing we can do. So that's, that's the difference between serving God, which we'll be talking about next week. That's between serving God with the right motive and serving God with the wrong motive. Realizing that my good works are nothing, but I do good works because of the grace of God. I do good works because of what Jesus has done in, in my life. So we cannot boast. Paul said it this way in Galatians 6.14. It's not on the board. You can write it in your notes if you want. Paul said, I will, I will <coughs> boast in nothing but the cross. That's all I'll boast in, Paul said. He didn't boast in his keeping the law. He didn't boast in his good works. He boasted in the cross. And you know what Paul meant there was what happened on the cross. It's what we're talking about. That Jesus kept the law and died for those who didn't keep the law, that Jesus was perfectly holy and died for those who were not perfectly holy. So saving grace is being forgiven apart from good works. No works, nothing we can do can make God forgive us any differently. If you did a whole bunch of sin last night, and you came today to try to do good works to make up for all the sin you did last night, that, that wouldn't impress God and you couldn't be forgiven that way. We're forgiven apart from good works. We can't make up. And uh, I think that uh, those of who can relate, probably nobody as bad as me in this room, but anybody who can relate to my, my past testimony, I must confess that much of my early Christian life was trying to make up, make up for things that I did wrong. And uh, thank God that God used all that. I may have had the wrong motive, but God still used that, and it's better than the things I used to do. But uh, thank God for the freedom I got when I finally realized I can't make up. <laughs> there's, there's nothing I can do to unchange anything I've ever done. I can pray all night, but it doesn't take away the party. I can preach all day, doesn't take away the wicked sin. I could fast, but it, it doesn't change anything that I did in the past. But thank God I have saving grace. Amen? <laughs> thank God I'm forgiven by saving grace without the, any works of the law. That's amazing. And the, you know, I 
shared this at camp. When I win somebody to the Lord, I usually, especially if it's a bad dude, I usually say, if I wrote down all my sins, I'd be embarrassed for you to read that list. And just saying that, you know, the Holy Spirit, I believe, already start working on somebody because they've got a bad list too. And uh, so if I, <clears throat> if I made all that, made all list, I'd be ashamed for somebody to look at it. So my list would probably be worse than most. But at the same time, <clears throat> it took just as much of Jesus' blood to remove your list as it did my list. That's the grace of God. So nobody's going to stand before God and say, you know, I was just a, had a few sins forgiven, and Pastor Mike had a whole lot of sins forgiven. No, Jesus, the nail hurt just as much for your sins that did my sin. The spear hurt just as much for your sins that did my sin. And had Jesus not died on the cross, everyone in this room would go to hell, including me, including the worst person in town. So. It is. <laughs> so the question would be, what work can save? If you could do a work, what would work could save? If you could keep a law, that was what the Bible asked the question, what, what law could save us? What work could save us? And Jesus already answered that question. I think that's in our notes. Okay, if, if the law cannot save me, then what good works can I do to save me? And Jesus said in John 6, 29, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. The work, which is really not a work, but Jesus is just answering their uh, rhetorical question. There, you can't work. You just got to believe. You got to believe. And uh, the, that is the one requirement to, re to receive this grace we're talking about is to believe. You know, I wish I had uh, the ability to explain all this. I don't know that anybody has the ability to explain it all. I've tried to figure it out for 47 years. And uh, I have won people to the Lord, and every time I lead somebody to the Lord, I'm subconsciously thinking about the fact that why didn't God just save this person without him, belie without him believing? <laughs> why, didn't God, why doesn't God save people without believing? Why, did, why doesn't God save people without us going and preaching the gospel. Uh, you know, why didn't God just do it that way? And again, as I'm saying that, there's actually churches who teach this theology. There's actually uh, theological systems who believe this. That if, uh, and I said this at camp. There's people who believe that you sh it'd be better off not to go preach to the, Hindi the heathen in India because if they hear the gospel, they're accountable. If they don't hear the gospel, they're not accountable. And then there's churches who teach that, that even if I don't go preach the gospel to them, that the God's going to save them anyway. There's a whole doctrine on that. And, you know, we call it hyper-Calvinism. That's another lesson. We've talked about that before. But both of those are wrong. Because unless someone believes the gospel, they will never be saved. They will never be forgiven unless they believe the gospel. And we can't change that. <laughs> you may, doesn't matter how much we sit here and we try to rationalize it. Doesn't matter how much we say that's not fair. Doesn't matter how much the crazy cuckoo religions and people with messed up theology say, well, you know, if Jesus died on the cross, why doesn't just God save everybody? If he paid for everybody's sin, why didn't God just save her? Because the requirement is to believe. <laughs> that's, the, that's the requirement. That's, we, 
The Bible says in that scripture again, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. So without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's how God made it. And so I'm not going to change it. You're not going to change it. I just believe it. Amen. I believe that people have to believe on Jesus in order to be, in order to be forgiven. So uh, Romans 4, 5 would teach us that it's, uh, true righteousness is, is believing on Jesus. And then the next point, the last bullet in that, no one in the Old Testament or New Testament was ever forgiven by works. Now think about that for a moment. God gave all these laws and all these works, and uh, this is another lesson by Luke. I have to teach on this because it's too deep for me, but this will be another series. But, but every, when we read it in the Old Testament, God uh, uh, held back his judgment on those who kept the law. I mean, it's right there in the Bible. He held back his judgment on those who kept the law. In fact, many times the Bible says that God saved them because they kept the law. But we think that that's being justified. Uh, that means God just saved them till Jesus came and died on the cross. That means that God sometimes just saved their bodies, and we, and we think of it as God saving their soul. But uh, time will not permit. The Bible does not teach, and, and no one ever got saved in the Old Testament uh, by doing good works. And here's a scripture that in back in the book of Romans sort of clarifies that. I got pages of notes here and I got notes here, so I'm trying to keep them up. Yeah, Romans chapter 4. If you're close there, I'll read it to you. Romans chapter 4, verse number 6. It's up there, but I'll read it because I don't send it. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. David was uh, an Old Testament saint. David <coughs> had the law. David had works. But at the same time, God had to for forgive him by imputing righteousness to David. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessed upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. So Abraham and David, they were forgiven because of God's grace. Uh, they, they had the law, yes. They did works, yes. But when it came to God forgiving their sins, it was by, by grace. And I pointed out last week, even the law was grace. Even God giving them the law was the grace of God. And if there was something we could do to save us, it'd still be by grace. <laughs> because there's no reason that God has to save sinners. But God chose to only one way to save us, and that was for his son to pay for our sin, which leads us to the next and the, and the last thing. Some other verses there you can read when you get in study. Hebrews 10.4 reminds us that even though they brought sacrifices, the blood of bulls and goats could not wash away anybody's sin. Even though they would keep some of the Ten Commandments, none of those could forgive sins. The Bible makes it clear there. And then we, this was one of our verses last week, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 
he, Jesus, became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So all those sacrifices were pictures of Jesus coming and dying on the cross. All those laws were pictures of the typology that Jesus would come and obey every law and then die on the cross for our sin. And lastly, saving grace is, re is receiving the provision that God made. Saving grace is receiving the provision that God made. We're saved by grace, but we're not saved by grace. <laughs> so that we're saved by grace, but we're not saved by grace. Grace did not save us. It's what, God, it's what grace provided that saved us. It'd be just like if somebody was hungry. I mentioned a while ago, and I, and I went to India and gave them some food. And as I walked away, they looked at that food, and they said, oh, thank you, food. <laughs> no, they'd probably say, thank Pastor Mike for giving me some food. Uh, if somebody, was, if you, somebody gave you a gift today, you know, and you said, oh, thank you, gift. No, you'd be insulting the person that gave it to you. So grace provides what we need to be saved. We are saved by grace, but we're not saved by grace. Grace of God provided salvation. Grace is not the provision. God's grace gave the provision. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The word gave there is the same word as grace. God gave his son. That's the provision. Jesus is the means of salvation. Romans 5, 15, verse, second part of that verse would tell. Jesus is the means of salvation. God provided Jesus to pay for our sins. And to hear some people, you would think that it was grace that saved them. Some people worship grace. We'll see in the next couple of lessons. Some people use grace as a means to not even do God's will. Some people use, use grace to think that uh, I don't have to live up to any kind of standard because I have grace. Some people think grace is the, is the way out of not doing what we're supposed to do. And I'm sure that, and thank God for that grace, and many times it's true, but there's maybe somebody in this room who got up this morning, and maybe you're here, and you, you didn't pray, you didn't read your Bible, and maybe you do it some other time. I'm not judging for that, I'm just using an illustration. And our idea, our idea is, I'm a Christian, I'm saved by grace, so... I can just slide a little bit. I can just <laughs> let up a little bit. But that's misunderstanding the whole, the whole point of it. Grace is not something for us to take advantage of. Grace is something that God did so that we could be saved and live for him. So uh, grace gets sometimes the credit instead of the one who gave the grace. Jesus' blood is the Provision for salvation, the Bible tells us. It's his blood that provided salvation, Romans 3.25. We have propitiation, the complete removal of sin by the blood of Jesus. So the, the blood of Christ was the provision of this grace. When I say that I'm saved by grace, I need to carry that farther. And the Paul carried it farther. We just, we just park right there at one verse. He said, we're saved by grace. We don't carry it what, to the, what Paul was trying to say. 
We're saved by grace because grace is what sent Jesus to the cross. Grace is what allowed God to, or caused God to give his son to die, to die for us. It's his blood, Ephesians 1, 7. The Bible says redeemed by the blood. We're, it's Jesus' blood that redeemed us. Uh, that's why the law could not redeem us. That's why works cannot forgive us because Jesus' blood was the payment uh, for our sin. Uh, last night I was out visiting and I was going to go to a street to finish up where I went last week and for, and, uh, for some reason I didn't have peace about going there, there probably because I think about that cat but anyway <laughs> I didn't have peace about going there and I as I was on my way there thinking I was going to go finish up the street I just prayed Lord uh, send me where I should go you know, I just threw that out there because it sounds like a good prayer to pray. <laughs> it sounds spiritual that I would pray, okay, Lord, you send me where to go. And so I just went around my, my business. So I stopped and parked at the place, and I'd been there last year. And I started walking over, and there was a teenage boy who just automatically said, hi, hi, hi. And he was with his Muslim dad. And the teenage boy, I led the Lord last year. And uh, so I got to give his dad to the track, and uh, he said, uh, uh, "He said you don't need to talk to my brother." He said, "You don't need to talk to him. It's my brother." Some other young people there. So I talked to the two uh, two boys and two girls. One girl was probably too young to understand, but the others were teens or preteens. Anyway, I got to lead uh, his Muslim brother to the Lord, and a girl to the Lord, and a boy to the Lord. Amen. And I was thinking. Well, God answered that prayer. <laughs> he sent me to the right place. But then I started going down the rest of the street, and I was going on this side, and there was a family over there. And uh, so I walked over there to the family. They were in their, they were in their yard. And uh, uh, Reuben and Delay, uh, I believe her name was. Anyway, I began talking to them, and uh, they both accepted Christ as their Savior there in the yard. And Reuben said this, he's 32, Reuben said, in my 32 years of life, said, I've never had anybody stop and tell me what you just told me. And, the, and the, <clears throat> the end of the story, the exciting part of the story, other than them getting saved, they just moved from Stockton to Lodi. And uh, so they just moved to Lodi, and don't tell me that it wasn't their time for God to give grace to them. Did I just put some little bald-headed Baptist preacher from the home church on their street right when they just moved to Lodi, and uh, they both accepted Christ. They said, that's grace. That's grace. The point I'm making is this. I'm standing here for the same reason. It may, may have been different circumstances, but look what God did. Look how God moved eternity for me to be standing here and saved by God's grace. Look how God moved eternity for you to be sitting here saved by God's grace. It may have been through your parents' salvation, through your grandparents' salvation. So thank God for the wonderful grace of Jesus. Then lastly, uh, grace means free gift, but grace is not free. Just like we say freedom is not free, grace is not free. Again, we use that term so lightly. Grace, free grace. But that reminds me, grace is not free. It costs somebody. 
and it cost Jesus his blood, the Bible says. We're bought with a price, 1 Corinthians 6, 20. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your gut. So you know, the average Christian's idea is I'm saved by grace. Whew, that cuts me some slack. God says you're saved by grace. Glorify me. <laughs> that doesn't cut us any slack. That puts a great responsibility on us because that grace costs a great price. Peter said it this way, 1 Peter 1, if you're taking notes, verse 18, we're not redeemed with such corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That was the, that's the cost of grace. And then Hebrews 10, 29 says that God gives a stern warning to those who reject grace. God's graceful God. He sent his son. He sent me to tell Reuben. He sent somebody to tell me. He's so merciful. And uh, you know, if I was God, thank God I'm not, if I was God, I would probably not give anybody ever a second chance to get saved. If I gave my, one of my daughters for somebody and they just snubbed that off and rejected it, I wouldn't give them a second chance for sure. But God gives us a second chance. I'm standing here because of a thousand chances. God gives a second chance. But God said, of how much sore punishment shall he be worthy who has trodden underfoot the blood of the covenant and counted God's grace an unholy thing. And so God gives a stern warning. I'm a graceful God. I gave my son. His blood was the price for this grace. But if you reject my son, there's a there's hell to pay, <laughs> literally. <laughs> there's, if you, yeah, if you reject my son, there's hell to pay, God said. And then here's the, the last part of my testimony. The book of Titus, the Bible says that God would have, the, the grace of God hath, that has brought salvation, that's what we're talking about. Grace didn't do it. Grace brought salvation, hath appeared to all men. If, again, if I was God... There, were, there, were, there would be some men that I wouldn't save. There, when I watch news and I hear stories and people cutting Christians' heads off, people shooting people, people abusing babies, people killing old people, uh, you know, if I was God, I would certainly not extend grace to those people. But that's not what the Bible says. Brought salvation to all Men, all men, thank you, God, that you brought it to all men. So that person that it, even as simple as I am, there's people that I just, their sin despises. Their sin just is so wicked. But God's grace is for them also. So let's pray that God will help us to extend that grace to others. Amen. Tell people about the grace of God. Pastor Luke, would you dismiss us in prayer? We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.